So it, it sounds as though uh, Brian will not be able to join us tonight, unfortunately. Oh, so, man. Um, well, I'm leaving. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt this podcast to bring you some incredible news. We are under attack. Never before has this reporter seen such devastation, such destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, I fear the time has come for Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules! So grab a can of fermented weed and listen up. It may just save your life. Hutchar's Adorned Ghoul, a new collection of singles and other odd bits from Flaming Schwarzkopf Experience, is out now. 25 tracks spanning the career of the greatest unknown experimental ambient band. A diverse selection of percussive noise, melancholy swirls of textured ambient washes, and slightly sinister tone poems of a peculiar nature. And while the music tickles the dark places of your brain, Hut Jar's Adorned Ghoul contains a secret. Can you guess what it is? Do you dare contemplate the paradoxical puzzle that lays in front of you? A starter, a primer, a jumping off point, an intersection between cosmic radiation and the murky, fog-bound marsh of a brain addled by too much exposure to vitamin K. Hut Jar's Adorned Ghoul is all this and more. Come hear it for yourself. Come experience the Flaming Schwarzkopf Experience. Available now on all major digital platforms for download or streaming, including iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Music, Google Play, Tidal, Deezer, YouTube, and many more. Hutjar's Adorned Ghoul is an anagram for quality. With 25 tracks, there's bound to be at least one you might like. Also available from Flaming Schwarzkopf Experience, People of the Dark soundtrack, and Music for Colonoscopies, Volume 1. Check them out. And welcome back to Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules, my friends. I'm your host, Douglas Arthur, and today we are covering one of my favorite movies of all time, the 1987 Paul Verhoeven science fiction satire, Robocop. Robocop was actually one of the first topics I wrote down in 2011 when I was starting to plan out the podcast and some things I might want to cover. And so I'm not really sure why it's taken me so long to get to it, uh, finally get around to it, but here we are, uh, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Robocop fused together comic books, buddy cop movies, uh, social satire, and even bits of the then-nascent cyberpunk genre of science fiction. Its uh, over-the-top ultraviolence brings up images of one of its inspirations, uh, Judge Dredd, which was popular in the UK and more of a cult favorite here in the US. Um, at its core, it is about a man trying to reconnect to his humanity, despite the immense and immersive technology that he has been thrust into. Uh, joining me tonight are crack members of the Goot Squad. You know them, you love them, they are occasional. They are the Goot Squad. How you doing, fellas? I'm hanging in there. Wonderful. Excellent. Rocking and rolling, rocking and rolling. 
I've been wanting to do, as I mentioned in my intro, I, I've been wanting to do RoboCop as a, as a show for since I started the podcast. It was one of the first topics I wrote down. Um, and I, you know, I've, I've been in love with this movie since I first saw it back in the theaters way back, way back when. And uh, I think what made it intriguing uh, to finally get around to doing this was, you know, when Michael said that he'd never seen it. Uh, mm. And I said, I was like, well, this is perfect. We can have, have him come at it with quote unquote fresh eyes. I thought, it's like, well, this is a great opportunity to, uh, you know, kind of put this together and have him, uh, <clears throat> have him come at it, uh, you know, 30 years after the fact, uh, <laughs> to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, see, see what he thinks of it. Um, and, and, uh, and kind of maybe make that the, uh, the, the central focus of, of, of the show. Cause I, I, I think just in talking to you guys pre-show, um, you know, I, I think Jim and Jeff seem to both have positive uh, uh, feelings towards this movie, but uh, Michael is hey, Michael hey. is the Michael is the wild card on this. So you take that back. <laughs> when isn't he the wild card, though? <laughs> but I don't have the receipt. Uh, anyway, I can't. Take well, it back. he's 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 I a card, and he is a little wild. So. so there you go. Yes, yes, he is. So, um, so I guess basically. Uh, uh, you know, Jim. It sounded like you had done some research. Um, what... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in the in the few minutes before we got in going, I read minutes. Roger Ebert's review. Um, so, <laughs> did, did I we... did watch I did watch two making up specials. Oh, okay. Well, that's 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 always good. That's always good. Um, but I didn't take notes. <laughs> no notes. Oh, <laughs> flying without a flying without a, a net here. Living dangerously. <laughs> so, so anyway, I, I, you know what, Jim? Why don't we Why don't we start with with you? Uh, to kind of, if you want to give us like a little synopsis of 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 the movie. Oh boy. Yeah, I, I'm I'm putting you putting it upon you. Uh, well, it's a it takes place in an unspecified near future. In Detroit, uh, which uh, and 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 there's this huge corporation that wants to turn old Detroit into a new city, and the corporation uh, is introducing this latest technology in uh, weaponry and policing, and it's a robot thing, and it doesn't quite go uh, well, and <laughs> another of the executives at this at this corporation says, I've been working on this other idea, which isn't solely robotic. It is, you know, cybernetic. You get, you get a human in there and you get the robot thing going. And uh, if you green like this, I, I can have, I can have a prototype ready in 90 days. And his pro he just has to wait for a cop to be killed in order to, you know, and apparently the cops are killed at a fairly, brisk pace in Detroit in those days, in these in these upcoming days or whatever it is. And it's very violent. Uh, I watched the director's cut, which had a little more of the violence in it. And uh, it's it's a it's very satirical. It's uh it's it pokes fun at at people's choices in television programs mm-hmm. as as well. But it has uh, uh, it has unexpected performances for the time. 
from two actors that up until then apparently pretty much played nice guys, and that would be Ronnie Cox and Kurtwood Smith. And I know we'll get into those guys later. But uh, the uh, uh, an officer is found. This, uh, what was his name? Murphy? Murphy. He, he, yep, and he is killed in the act of trying to get the baddest of the bad guys of the gangs that run Detroit, and he comes back as this robot, but uh, his memory hasn't completely been erased, so there's a conflict of his his his, uh, his consciousness trying to take hold of what's going on there, and that's and it flows from there. Well, I, and and I think that's one of the things that I enjoyed the most about it was kind of that um, that conflict of you know the the man and the machine together, and you know trying for him trying to reconnect with his humanity as he, as it slowly dawns on him that you know he's not fully a, a robot he's 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 got a human heritage human past um for sure for sure i think that's one of the things that that really struck me about this movie and 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 of course you know the 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 violence is so over the top especially in that boardroom scene um that you know it's 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 to me it's like a a comic book movie before comic book movies were a thing really um Mm -hmm. because it's so so gratuitously over the top um right and um, so, but one of the things that that I remember, and 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 in doing some research of my myself, because I I did I honestly I actually did do a little research on this, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> but one of the inspirations for the character was was actually Judge Dredd, which was actually a pretty big character in England um, back in the back in the eighties. Um, mm-hmm. It was kind of more of a cult figure here, um, but. But he was he was kind of a big big character over there, and um, I can certainly see the I can certainly see some of the resemblances. Um, um, you know, he's he's kind of a you know Judge Dredd is kind of judge jury executioner uh, you know police force, and that's more or less what RoboCop does. Although you know he does try to arrest people, uh, but he has no compunction about shooting people if he has to. Um, mm-hmm. um, but uh, you know, it's uh, uh, what's interesting is that you know his memory is admissible as evidence is you know, kind of yep. kind of uh-huh. <laughs> kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned Judge Dredd because in my meager amount of research, uh, the making ofs, mm. they both the, the 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 fellow who created the the uh, the RoboCop uh, costume, which mm. I'm sorry. But I do not remember the man's name. Was it uh, uh, Bo- uh, like Rob Botten? Yeah, Rob Botten or Botine. Okay. Or, yes, yes, that sounds more right. I forgot um, how they pronounce it. He would he would work on these characters at life size, made of clay. He'd sculpt them, and one of his very early designs looked remarkably like George Judge Dredd. I mean, right down to the helmet. It's that's he was he started in that direction. And then move from there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, um, since we since we have Jeff on the phone, uh, 
uh, or, mm-hmm. or on the line. Um, I mean, what what are your thoughts? And and I mean, since since Judge Dredd is a quintessentially a, a British uh, invention, um, mm-hmm. you know. Was Judge Dredd on your radar back then, or, or? I knew about Judge Dredd. I never really read any of the 2000 AD comics that he came from, um, but I do remember um, two of the biggest fans of Judge Dredd were um, uh, Suggs and Chaz Smash from Madness, and they did a single as the Fink Brothers. Hmm. Um, the two. Um, um, these two sort of uh, odd characters, um, and it was a, uh, a, I think that I think it was called Mutants in Mega City One. And so um, I knew about it from that, and I did a lot of reading about that. Okay. But I wasn't really, and it had its own. It, uh, it, there was even its own sort of like special language, uh, which from which they got the name of their label, Sar Jazz. Um, but I beyond that, I didn't really, because um, I wasn't really a, a big comic book fan. Um, I mean, when I was growing up, it was all like. Um, all the uh, sort of the comics about World War Two and stuff like that. So I didn't really, right? Which was just what my scene, you know. It was kind of like, and you know, growing up in the seventies, and it's only, you know, thirty years after the end of the war, it's still uh, it was a big thing on people's minds. So all the comics had names like Warlord and Valiant and Battle and stuff like that. Mm. Um, and so two thousand AD, to me, it was just another comic. I wasn't really, wasn't my my thing. I was more into the music and. TV, so um, but until until of course you know, Stallone came along with his uh, Judge Dredd movie, uh, <laughs> I hadn't really thought much about it. <laughs> but uh, another than that, the the other only other thing I sort of have uh, about Judge Dredd was the um, of course the Human League song "I Am the Law," which is um, oh right, yeah, uh, Judge Dredd's famous line that he utters before he basically. Uh, Puts pay to uh, ne'er do wells, and <laughs> for want of a better, better term, but yeah, I um, so really I wasn't uh, big into uh, the Judge Dredd thing, but I uh, um, I can see the parallels definitely, and uh, I did uh, I did look, I, I had some really funny thoughts during the movie actually because you know I'd I'd seen Robocop about probably 20 something years ago on video um and uh i'd kind of forgotten a large part of it and when i recently rewatched it on netflix um some some thoughts that i sort of originally had that sort of came flooding back to me because i don't know if you remember um monty python uh in their uh, original incarnation uh, i think one of the very early episodes they did a a, a a sketch about it was a it was a film critic introducing the latest Sam Peckinpah movie, mm. which was his adaptation of Julian Slade's Salad Days. Salad Days, yep. 
I say, anybody want to play tennis? Anyone for tennis? And it's just just that that scene where where John Cleese is playing the piano with his blazer and straw motor. The lid comes down on his hands, the hands come off, and there's just jets of blood shooting out of the end of his arms. And and it's like, I'm watching watching, uh, um, Murphy's death scene and thinking, oh, my God, it's like just like Salad Days all over again. Well, and I guess the the director's cut has, that's far more uh, visceral than what was uh, first released mm-hmm. to the theaters because they they it, it cuts uh, before you see the head get it you know the headshot and I don't yeah. think you get a good shot of with the hand being shot off. Uh, no, it's no. Yeah. they make it well, a little more because they were going to give it an X rating. Was there still yeah, X rating yeah. back then? Yeah, yeah, there was still an X rate. It was going to be X rated, and they went through I believe eight or nine rounds of cuts that mm-hmm. they had to make, and. If you know anything about the MPAA process, they don't really tell you what to cut. They just tell you that stuff needs to be cut. And right. you kind of have to guess. Um, and you make cuts and you resubmit and they say, nope, still more cuts. And you keep, you know, you keep trimming it down until they say, yeah, we'll give this an R. Um, <laughs> and it's kind yeah. of a weird way of doing it. But, but really the, the director's cut, it's kind of weird to call it the director's cut because there, there honestly wasn't a lot cut from the movie, but it was mostly what was cut was the extra, um, vi- you know, extra gore and violence and blood in the boardroom scene specifically mm-hmm. and and his mm-hmm. and his death scene in the in the warehouse, um, which, you know, was kind of, you know, trimmed probably by half, um, right. you know, it, for the theatrical release. Um, and I loved, I loved that line. It, it, it sets you up for the whole rest of the movie. And Ebert even agrees with me. Uh, he's at the end of the, uh, the mishap in the boardroom. Mm. And this guy is just uh, how he was still in one piece bloody that he was right right uh, you know he's lying dead on a table or something and one of the guys says somebody call a medic <laughs> yeah i don't think that's gonna help <laughs> right 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 you know you know and you know you just watched him get shot for about 15 seconds straight uh, yes uh and and uh you know it, it 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 does kind of set the tone uh i mean but you know they set the tone early on with um, I mean, the movie basically starts with a, a little um, news break and, uh, you know, commercial, mm. and they kind of set up, they, they intersperse the movie with like these little um, satirical commercials and, mm. and and things. It kind of helps not only set the Newton. tone, yes, mm-hmm. it not only, not only sets the tone for the movie, but it also kind of sets the tone for the environment and the, mm. and the right. world that, that, that we're in. Red that alert, red alert. Red alert. You crossed my line of debt. You haven't dismantled your MX stockpile. Pakistan is threatening my border. That's it, Buster. No more military aid. Nuke em. Get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers. With Lisa, with Lisa Gibbons yeah. with the most 80s hairstyle. Well, uh, ever. Was, she should have won an Academy Award for the hairstyle. It it was actually the eighties, so she can get that was quite eighties. <laughs> she was on trend, wasn't she? So she sure was. So I I guess before we get too far into it, 
um, I think I think we sh- we should hear from from Michael, um, who ha- had not seen this movie prior to setting up this podcast, uh, and so I kind of want to get his thoughts, uh, mm-hmm. and then we can either agree or. What I, I'm I'm prepared for anything, Michael. I I, oh. I I'm prepared for you loving the movie. I'm prepared for you hating the movie, and yep. and possibly He's got the dump button ready to go. <laughs> but but I'm I'm curious, you know, to hear what your thoughts are, you know, especially seeing it 30 years later. So, well, here's the deal. Uh, first of all, it was the 80s, so. Uh, I'm, I'm, well, I'm going to go back for a minute. Um, I'm going to mimic basically a lot of things that Jeff said. Um, not even going to mimic it. I'm just going to agree with him on those things with regard to judge dread. Yeah. I saw the parallels there. Um, uh, knew about the comic, uh, didn't know much, um, of any of the incarnations of them outside of, of Stallone coming on, which I thought that wasn't something for me at all. Uh, that type of movie, nor, nor was the comic when it came out. I, I knew of it. I knew the premise, uh, you know, judge, jury, executioner, all that fun stuff. But but that's as far as it went. Um, yeah, it was the 80s. And, and one of the notes that I have in here, one of the good things about it was the fact that for the time, I'm sure it was, a, 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 well, it is even now. It, it's a good popcorn movie. For the, for the time, I'm sure it was a great anticipation for a great popcorn movie. And I'm going to compare it to the fact that it was my anticipation of cheesy movies such as Future World, which was, uh, you know, the uh, the sequel to, to Westworld. Yeah. Laser Blast, which I was I was hot to trot on. I don't know if anybody knows. Laser knew Blast? About Laser, wasn't Laser that, Blast. That was an Italian movie, wasn't it? Or am I thinking of something uh, else? No, I'm thinking, I don't, of, I'm thinking no, of Star that Crash. Was Lance, not Lance. Was it Lance Kerwin? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Laser Blast. Yeah, you know, it wasn't Italian, different. but I think I think there was something else similar to that. And, and you know, like for example, a uh, big one I had: Godzilla versus a Smog Monster. Yeah, oh, I love that one. Yeah, it's cheesy. You know, it's going to be cheesy, but it was that kind of anticipation for me mm. uh, with those movies, as I'm sure it was for those people looking forward to RoboCop. Was that my kind of movie? Something that I would I. I I wanted to see no, but if my friends from school and 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 whatnot wanted to go see it, yeah, I'll go with you. It just never did though, never did. Hmm. Um, now overall, did I enjoy the movie? There were parts of it that I enjoyed, um, <laughs> but there were parts that I was groaning at, literally groaning at. I mean, give us a groaner. All right, come on, lay it on us. Oh, okay, I'll give you a groaner, and it's already been said. It's already been said before. Um, uh, Kenny is, is being shot to hell by ED209. Right? <laughs> he is. He's he's pulsing and flipping out and convulsing, and there there has to be 200 250 rounds going into him. Yep. And the first thing was from Morton was somebody call a paramedic. Come on, give me a break. The dude, <laughs> they're no body bag. That's what you need. Body well, bag and a cleanup yes, crew. And, you and, don't need a paramedic. And then the old man says, "I'm very disappointed." Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, and, and, was, and that's and, the kind of cheese that I was expecting well, for, the, from this movie. So it did not disappoint right there. So and, that's why know, I then, enjoyed some. And then, and then Dick Jones, not a verb. Not a command, but he comes over to the boss. That's uh, Ronnie Cox's character. Right. And he says, 
all right, we got some glitches to work through, but uh, you know, we can have this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's it's and, you know, as, as and like I said, I just read the review, but that Roger Ebert wrote about it, and he says that scene is a very funny scene, and it sets up, at least by his take, it sets up where the rest of the movie is going to go. It gets you prepared that this is going to be a yeah, satire, yeah. right? Yeah. It's this is going to be satirical, and it and. And uh, well, yeah, you had those opening shots of the the TV news showing you what a horrible world we live in with two smiling news anchors and and, and then the commercials <laughs> and and you see these intercuts of uh, everybody uh, of people watching this comedy that they are laughing at it a little too hard. That's right. <laughs> I'd buy, I'll that, buy for that for a dollar. For a dollar. <laughs> and then they just you see these people laughing uproariously at it. Right. Uh, okay. So Here's for all something. those set, so for all those setups between the commercials, uh, you know, ED two hundred nine in that boardroom and whatnot, you know what kind of movie it's going to be. So that was a, that was a good thing as far as I was concerned. You you knew exactly where this thing was going, so that was good setup. Cheesy as it was, it was good setup for the flick. And did you guys? I mean, I'm not I'm not a prude, but um, the number of f bombs dropped in this movie. I just watched Kill Bill Volume Two the other day. This one has this RoboCop has to have twice as many f bombs, really, as, as a Tarantino <laughs> film. I, I didn't either even that, notice. Either that it's or it's it's either that or the way Tarantino writes dialogue. It just the the stuff flows past you without you noticing, and it seemed like uh, it. it, it it was so glaring in this movie that the dropping of the f bombs. Yeah, it was a little heavy-handed. Smoke. I have to say. I, yeah. yeah, I don't. I, I guess I must be a, a rather uh, immune viewer because I don't. I don't even really remember that yeah, word being the, uttered. But there was the guy that was that was uh, uh, knocking off the uh, mom and pop shop there and when the robocop oh, right. comes in he keeps saying f me f me f me f me f me he must have said it about 50 times right yeah. it's, you know, it's like <laughs> i don't even remember that jeez yeah, it's drop the gun you are under arrest Thank you for your cooperation. Good night. I'll buy that for a dollar. Yeah, that's well, crazy. What that's because you're enamored with the film, Douglas. Yeah, that's why. I guess you're right. You didn't look at it like I did with that, you know, for that third party, you know, outside the box, you know, viewing structure. Yeah, that well, I... for me, it's a nostalgia trip. I guess you're right. There you go. And they're not wrong because I, I, I mean, when that movie came out, I was 20 years old and I loved it. <laughs> so, yeah. what, and, and the use of the, and the use of the swearing and alone would give it an R rating. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I think uh, it probably would have. Yes, mm-hmm. um, but there's certainly, you know, there's certainly some, some, uh, <laughs> there's certainly a little violence to to go with it. Mm-hmm. Um, a little, add, add a little flavor. <laughs> Yeah, um, when those when they're blowing away Murphy, it, it's almost as as much as you know that uh, whatever that robot's called that was blasting away Kenny right in the boardroom. It just it, it I mean it just goes and goes and they're just cackling, laughing yeah. about this is the greatest time of our lives. And, right. 
Did uh, <laughs> did anybody else notice that uh, Ray Wise was one of the one of the henchmen oh, yeah. there? Oh hell yeah. yes, Leland Leland Palmer and uh, Leland. and Alec Holland from the uh, Swamp Thing movie. Yep. Oh, yeah. I don't know that one. This movie had a lot of those. I, I, I'm I'm very big into those um, actors that I, I refer to as that guy. Yes, there were lots hey, of he that was guys. In, just can't and, quite place so it, but like, no, it's that it guy. Like every well, they, 80s movie that had bad guys in it, it's like, oh, he was in that one, he was in that one, he was in that one. You know. <laughs> should, should we bring up how awesome Kurtwood Smith was? Oh. I thought amazing, he was terrific. Amazing. Yeah. I thought he was just, he was, he, of all the characters in the movie, was having the most fun. Oh, yeah. I, I think he really en- he enjoyed really playing that, yeah. that character. Yeah. He did. I easily and, and you know that was the first time I ever remember seeing him so you know when he started doing that 70s show that was like mm-hmm. holy crap it's Boddicker. um <laughs> and and he's a dad uh so, <laughs> so so that that was you know a little bit of culture shock but but yeah he um he he was definitely like the the um a great counterpoint to uh, to RoboCop, to Peter Weller's mm-hmm. character, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, let, yeah, let's talk about the cast for a minute because the cast is mm-hmm. is terrific. Um, mm-hmm. it, it really works. It was a well casted movie. Um, you know, Peter Weller, I think, is perfect as Murphy mm-hmm. and RoboCop. Um, you know, and and you know, uh, uh, Kurtwood Smith, as we mentioned, and you know, you've got great character actors like Daniel O'Herlihy as the old man, uh, Ronnie Cox, Miguel Ferrer. Oh uh, yes. You know, it, it and it goes on and on, and I I don't know, unfortunately, the name of the other uh, board member, the, uh, his that his his friend there that with the glasses, the the uh, African American gentleman. I don't yeah. remember no, his. I don't, his, know, his, his, I don't yeah. know his name, but he was great in a tiny. He one of those very familiar faces, though. Yeah. He was the one. He was, that he, guy. Was the, he was the one that called out for yeah. the for the medic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But he he was also like given a thumbs up at the end when uh, you know at the climax after after uh, Dick Jones gets offed. Um, yep. but <laughs> it was funny. I mean, it was such a, so, I mean, you look at all the, all of the different things they, they parodied or, or satired, but I mean, corporate eighties mm. corporate culture was totally on fire. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. they, they really roasted that with that movie. That mm. was that, I mean, that whole boardroom scene was completely corporate culture. It's like, Oh, we've got a few glitches. Well, yeah, that's mm. an understatement, you know? Um, sure. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so we're all the way, the way, too, and so, you know, yeah, everything. Yeah, and the way Miguel Ferrer's character, he just, he's, it's like, it's, it doesn't even phase him. He's just like, here's a chance to get my my project going. Yep, and you know. and the car, the car, the 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 six thousand SUX. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you see the ad, six thousand sucks. It's back. Big is back because bigger is better. 6,000 SUX, an American tradition. <laughs> right. I mean, and, and I that, just thought that's great. I mean, that that's scene totally... where they're all standing there with that, those those uh, those um, missile launchers and just like shooting. Hey, boom! It's just like it's. Jeez. Uh, it's wonderful. I loved Jeez, it, man. But like, back back to your characters though, Douglas. It, 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 from from me and never having seen the movie before, 
just about every single one of those characters played it over the top. And again, that's what it was meant to do. The ones that didn't, as far as I'm concerned, and I think the one, and this is just my opinion, who I think had the most boring role, literally, was uh, uh, Murphy himself. Um, mm. Wow, his uh, name is uh, escaping me. Alex yeah, Murphy, Peter Willard. Peter Willard. Peter Willard. Peter Willard. Yeah, Peter Willard. You know, I, think you know, he, I... I think he had the most boring, boring role of all. He but didn't he... have much to do when he was as Robocop himself, but... Uh, you well, know, he didn't have much time to do anything. Well, exactly. Now, I would, now the, I would the, argue the one... that Nancy Allen, her character was a little. I I didn't buy oh. her as a badass cop at the beginning. No, me neither. Me uh, neither. She looked. I, and I, I and I know you know I don't know why I just didn't I didn't think the the little action sequence with her bringing in the bad guys and then laying a beat down on them I didn't it just didn't didn't work for me. No, um, I, I have and, forgotten and, and, how but, how eighties she, she was. was and she was kind of underutilized too, even though she was Definitely. there to to uh, to make sure that somebody was going to recognize that that's Murphy in the robot thing. That's you know that was her main. That's, that was her reasons. main thing, yeah. Now and Ronnie I Cox, Ronnie Cox, I loved. I mean, yeah, yeah. he was perfect for that. He was well, when really is good. he not good? When is he not great? You know, True. I mean, terrific you know, actor. In all the uh, the. Um, uh, damn, uh, not the uh, Beverly Hills Cop uh, flicks. You yeah, know, I mean, it read along those lines, in opposite in ways. But you know, he he played kind of a straight straight guy for the most part. Yeah, mm-hmm. more or less. Yeah, he had, he had but everybody else over the top, man, over the top. But they were meant to be. That's the way. Mm-hmm. That's the way they were supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, yep. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I would have I would have liked. I, you know, I think they could have better serviced uh, Nancy Allen's uh, character had they not just been, this is your new partner. I, 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 if they'd been partners for a while, because they were they were partners for one day before the guy was killed. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't, you know, I would have liked uh, there to have been a, a more of a relationship between the two of them, a longer partnership between the two of them. That would have been a little more emotionally... Uh, effective then have this is my partner for one day well you know this is what happens to cops yeah. bad it's too bad yeah. you know, it's, it's, it really it, didn't it, work did it I mean it, it just was it seemed a little quick he should have been well he should have been a guy that's been there for a while and but I, well, I understand the film wanted to introduce him as he's coming to the from well, a relatively safe dis, uh, precinct to but you know, hell on you, earth you already you already answered that question earlier because um, this, the, the subtle tech, the subtext of that was that they were bringing in their best cops to the worst stations so mm-hmm. they could get a good subject for RoboCop. So he True. was, he was coming in, he was a good cop from another, mm-hmm. from another precinct and they brought him into this worst mm-hmm. precinct. So th- they, <clears throat> they were reassigning people. That was, that was one, I think it was just kind of a throwaway line early on very early on but that was what they were yeah. doing is they were bringing in good cops to bad precincts and hoping that one of them would get killed so they could use them for um for a robocop uh, prototype mm-hmm. so um so I, I on on the one hand i can i can certainly agree yes that you know they kind of streamlined that but the movie itself is pretty lean it's only about 90 minutes so, True. um, you know, I think, yeah, and, there's and, only so much you can do. Right? And, yeah, I and, get it. and the pace of it, 
I thought was perfect. I, I don't think it was too long and I don't think it was too short. It, 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 it just, it moved along at a nice clip and, uh, you know, yeah. it didn't feel like there was any, really any filler too much. Yeah. Nothing yeah, was being didn't forced lag. or anything like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll agree with you there. So, you know, um, one of the other things, uh, and this is just a little bit of trivia, um, and it might be a nice segue to get to to talk about the music, uh, you know, the score a little bit, because I know you're a big musical score uh, guy, Michael. But yeah. um, uh, there was a scene in a nightclub um, where RoboCop goes in, and I think Boddicker is there, um, oh. and. There's, uh, there's, I think, I don't remember if there was a band playing or if it was just a DJ uh, playing, but there was a song, uh, and, and I thought that it might be something that would have interested you. Um, I forget the name of the name of it, but the music was actually created by uh, members of Ministry and Skinny Puppy. Uh, really? Yeah, mm. and and it I was. I think the song was called "Rock Shop." Some something like that, yeah. And yeah. and it was only it was never released on a soundtrack or or anything else. Um, it it was only in the movie. The only way you could hear it was in the movie. I think it got it, it finally did get released maybe like 10 15 years ago but at the time it was a it was a rarity if you were a fan of skinny puppy and ministry huh uh, that's interesting and I'm, I'm a fan of both actually so no I did not catch that and I had no idea glad you brought it up because I'm gonna have to go searching for it maybe something's on YouTube or whatever and, and it's a good thing I haven't uh, returned the film back to the library yet but come to find <laughs> out it's, it's on HBO so I can't it's all yeah that's one thing I'm gonna go back and check out definitely <laughs> It it was just a fun little uh, fun little factoid I I uncovered when I was uh, you know uh, digging around. Um, but I, I, one of my favorite things about the about the movie is actually the, the soundtrack. Um, I love the the RoboCop theme by uh, Basil Polidorus, who I think is one of I think he's a really good composer or ha was a really good composer. I think he passed away uh, a while back. Um, but, um, he, some of the other movies he's done, he, he did like Conan the Barbarian, um, and, 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 and a few other movies of, of that, of that bent. Um, but I really like the mix of, uh, you know, kind of, you know, a little bit of, uh, of, uh, there's a very machinery mechanical kind of sound to it, but it's also very, um, you know, it's just very kind of powerful and 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 booming and I, I don't know I just really like the theme the theme of it and some of the incidental music along the way, you know the music for the the Newcomb commercial for example and and that <laughs> and that kind of stuff, um, you know. What a great game! Yeah, I wish that I wish that existed. <laughs> but uh, but you know, what are your what were your thoughts on the score? Is that one of your one of the things you liked about the movie? 
Well, I saw. I definitely looked it up and found out uh, who who composed the score. And there were uh, there were pieces uh, that I recognized, and I looked it up. And just like you said, he uh, he uh, scored uh, Conan the Barbarian, which was a very sweeping, majestic score, which I, I really really enjoyed. Uh, the music itself, I thought, in a lot of places, it was it was really misplaced. It, but it was very '80s, and there were moments. Um, that I noticed that the music worked perfectly in this thing, hmm. but it was it was disjointed. It 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 didn't. It worked in some places, not in others. Overall, very '80s type of thing, and it didn't really do anything for me. But uh, it, it worked. It worked. Hmm. Well, uh, one of the things that I remember too, um, you know, speaking of music working and not working, when the I remember when the trailer for this came out before the movie came out um and they scored the trailer with the music from the terminator and i think this was one of the first times that i recognized um music in a trailer from being you know from another movie um Mm. you know that they were using the score from another movie Mm. um and 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 i was like boy what you know, it made it it made it feel like it was going to be a total ripoff. I'm like, what is why they're using the music from the Terminator? What is? Mm, okay. <laughs> and and so I think I went into I went into the movie thinking it was going to be something else, and then I think that was that's probably another reason why I liked the movie so much was that it completely defied my expectations. I wasn't expecting this, you know, kind of over the top satire. Um, and and uh, you know, because uh, pretty much because of the trailer, the trailer made it seem, especially using the the, the Terminator music, that it was going to be a, maybe a little more serious, um, and and therefore probably not as good. <laughs> I think the yeah. hu- I think the humor helped it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. There was a lot of things to detract from that, but. As, as like I said, as, as disjointed as some of the music was, as cheesy as some of the acting was, as goofy as some of the some of the plots were, it, it all came together for all the reasons that you said. That you know, it 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 the movie went along at a good clip. You were never bored. Um, uh, you know that things just kept kept going. So that worked to the film's advantage of not being, uh, you know, too much of a groaner in some parts and you know you really wish something would happen in others and blah 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 so it all it all it all gelled it all gelled all that cheesiness you know came together into something that it was uh, you could swallow <laughs> there you go <laughs> there you go so i you know i guess um that kind of brings it brings to mind i mean director paul verhoven this is i think He'd he'd been a director in um, oh shoot where is he from he's like from Denmark or something right yeah, Holland Dutch. He's Holland Dutch. he's Dutch yeah. he's Dutch he's mm-hmm. Dutch right so he he decided to come to America to make make movies um, I know he he had worked with like Rutger Hauer and and stuff over over there yeah um, several times yeah there was a movie of his I saw called Spetters which was pretty pretty uh i don't know i i can't even describe it (laughs) 
<laughs> can't even describe that movie, but that was um, that was a bikers pretty... gang rape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Was a, it was an interesting film to be to be sure. Um, and um, so, you know, he he wanted to come over to America and and, and make movies. And um, I think he, he I think he did one movie before RoboCop that didn't quite. I uh, am yeah, Flesh do... and Blood. Yeah, Flesh and Blood. That's it. You're right. Um, that didn't quite go anywhere, and then and then he made RoboCop, and you know the 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 Hollywood uh, heavens kind of opened because RoboCop actually did really well. It was number one at the box office two weeks in a row, um, yeah. and and you know it was released in August of '87, I believe, or or late July. So it you know back in those days, an August release was pretty much like a death knell you you, you studios release their bad movies in august because nobody goes to the movies in august more or less mm-hmm. um <laughs> mm-hmm. i think that's still fairly true today but um so i didn't have high hopes for it either uh from 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 that but but you know after after this um uh, you know he he went on to do a whole bunch of um you know big you know, kind of blockbustery kind of movies mm-hmm. that were either hit or miss, depending on your uh, your taste. I mean, Basic Instinct, Starship Troopers, Total Recall, yeah. um, Showgirls. Oh, Show Showgirls yeah. was a yeah, yeah. But but I mean, I mean, I I suppose we could argue argue the point, but I I still feel like this is perhaps Verhoeven's best movie, at least of the ones I've seen. Um, you know, I although I did like Starship Troopers quite a bit, um, mm. that that had a satiric bent to it as well. Yeah, um, as did Total Recall. Um, yeah, Total yeah. Recall, yeah. but yeah. you know, not quite as much. Um, but uh, well, uh, much like uh, many other directors, uh, when concerned to this mo- with this movie, uh, directors were taking a pass. They would say, "No, I don't want to. I don't want to direct that." And he he did that at first as well. He was going. He 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 turned it down, for, or he was reading it, and he says, ah, "I'm not making this." That's but right. it was his wife That's who picked right. up the script, and she read it. And says, "No, you're missing something here. You're missing what this is really about." Right. And she clued him in on the what the satirical elements of the film. He says, "This is saying something more than what you know than just the violence. This is saying something." And then he gave it another you know go over, and then he came up. You know, he decided, "Okay, well, I'm going to make it." Right, and I and I think that's. Like I said, I think that was the element too that um, that I really enjoyed uh, was mm-hmm. the the fact that instead of just making it about you know RoboCop uh, you know and, and beating people up and stuff, it was really the conflict was all along was like he's mm-hmm. remembering his past life, he's remembering his wife and his kid, mm-hmm. um, he's remembering you know what life was like before he became RoboCop and and it's just little flashes and he's having you know having a nightmare and and different things and and um you know just him trying to come to terms with what he's become um mm-hmm. what his past is what is humanity if he has any humanity left um you know uh, it, it, that undercurrent really made the movie for me um and and yeah. I don't know if that if that how that affected your viewing of it if it, it if you connected with that part of it. I I did. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it was 
it, it was the it, well. It's what drove the second half of the movie. Right. And uh, and and if I <clears throat> may, I have a pedantic moment. Oh, if of I course, make... Jim and a pedantic moment. They go together. As like, if you would. Yes, <laughs> they go together like. Uh, it's kind know. of a it's kind of a twofer. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much money cops make in the in the near future in Detroit, but holy shit, his house was fantastic. Yeah, really. Did you see that house? Yeah, it was I mean, pretty good. Holy smokes! And then, but the thing that I'm pedantic about, he goes into the house, and there's this little TV monitor thing set up that is greeting people to the house because they're selling it, mm-hmm. and it's in other rooms and all that. So he, so this is he comes into the house as he's as he's RoboCop. And he's having these. He's he looks across the room, and it goes from being, you know, empty to being furnished. And he sees visions of his kid, and then he sees visions of his wife. You know, he's he's having these things come back. But the thing that that bothered me was what kind of a realtor will take the effort of putting in a monitor to explain the wonderfulness of the house, but not clean up all the messes on the co- on the countertops and he <laughs> says why aren't you you got to clean the place i mean most of the place was clean but there would be these inexplicable messes on top of counters and on tables and mm-hmm. what's going on here what kind of real well, you this? know it's it's Could a dystopian future jim you know, you know who knows what they do in the dystopian future <laughs> yeah i'm sure really that's true and you know it doesn't make still... any difference if it's the 80s or the future <laughs> hey life is messy jim you know what well, i mean they, they, maybe still Still want just a little bit of the lived-in quality. Yeah, yeah. There we <laughs> go. That's right. It's like it just shows the character of the place. You know, like, <laughs> stuff okay, has I, happened here. I'll accept it. But that's just, my these walls moment. have seen some stuff. I mean, it can't be too perfect, Jim. I mean, cut them some slack. Right? But that house, that house was fabulous. I thought that house looked fantastic. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Well, you know, we don't know what the wife did. Uh, what uh, she, she didn't clean that's for sure she she certainly <laughs> she, she certainly could trust fund she certainly could have had a, a a nice paying job that could have paid for the house we 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 just don't know we do know that she moved on and you know they yeah. they thought he was dead and moved on i mean i mean moved he on. technically is dead he did die and mm-hmm. they just brought him back as a cyborg you know Law enforcement officer. So okay, I, I, I'm I'm gonna stop you right there, Douglas. Uh-oh. Okay. Right, right there. Here we go. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> it's one of the bad things. Okay. <laughs> Early in the flick. All right. Mm-hmm. Murphy is killed by Clarence. Yes. All right. Uh, uh, talk about pedantic moments, and it's more continuity. But his uh, hand, his his right hand, was actually. Clarence actually pinned Murphy's hand with his foot and then ended up shooting shooting his hand off. Well, if you see it scene to scene, his hand was below his waist, and then when you see it actually shot off, it was practically at his head. So continuity error right there. But here's the deal. He was shot point blank in the head. His arm was shot off. He was shot in the torso 12 million times. And then two seconds later, basically, what did you see? You saw him being on a gurney, being run down the hospital, and they have a freaking airbag on him. He's dead. There's all that blood loss and everything. There's no way the guy's alive. Why are you putting an airbag on him? Really? So maybe maybe what's his name was should have been calling a medic instead of 
Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe you didn't see all the blood of the X-ray, all the, the, the blood that, that, that went on there. The guy's dead. They were yeah. trying to airbag. They were trying to yeah, they oxygenate must have gone, him like, as much as possible. Way over budget and squibs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they they had a special on squibs. Well, we got them. We got to use them. You know, come on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> We got this job. Okay. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe that maybe that's exactly what it was. Maybe you're right. Maybe it was a budget thing. And hey, we got all these airbags. And we might we might as well get get use out of them. So there was a, there was a closeout sale at Big Lots. Uh, I guess. I guess. <laughs> okay. But, but, uh, I, right. but I but I refute you on that, Douglas. He was dead. He's, he wasn't alive at all. He was dead. They brought I, him back. Then, I, then I'll have another pedantic moment if you don't mind. Yeah, because <laughs> I just I'd said he was dead. <laughs> now. The 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 drug shop, the Italian dude that's running the drug shop, okay. the little factory. They're they're filling up these vials with cocaine, and Boddicker <laughs> and his boys come in, and there's the the Mexican standoff with everybody aiming the guns at each other, and 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 Kurt Woodsmith is great in that scene. He just gets so excited and he's happy and having fun. But they show you know before all the action takes place, they're showing you the process of putting the cocaine. I'm assuming. Into the into the little vials, and there is cocaine dust all over that place. Everywhere. <laughs> I mean, the workers should have been <laughs> all ODing. I mean, it's, you know, half of the atmosphere of that room was cocaine. <laughs> it's like, it's, I thought, well, geez, guys, take a little more care. <laughs> you're, and you're and you're losing product. <laughs> we don't know that it was cocaine. Well. It could have been baby powder. powder. <laughs> it powdered sugar. You know, baby know. powder in the near future is illegal, and there's a huge black market for it. It's an, it's an abandoned gold bond factory. <laughs> in the dystopian future, it snows cocaine. You don't know, Jim. Bond, baby gold bond. There you yeah. go, baby gold bond. There you go. There you go. Uh, Okay, I'm, 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 Jim right. got two pedantic moments. I'm getting two oh, pedantic great. moments. Here we go. Uh, uh, no Military-grade weapon is what Clarence got, right? And he shows mm. it to all his guys. Yeah. You know, they do the test firing at the end. Yeah, yeah. They're, mm -hmm. they're test firing the candy store. First shot blows up. Let's test fire one of those SUX 6000s or whatever it is over there. Boom, thing goes up. Let's test fire that, uh, you know, silo right there. First shot, no problem at all. What happens when they get to Robocop? They uh, practically run out of ammo trying to hit him with this damn military grade thing, and they can't hit him to save their lives. He's tough. He's a He's Teflon coated. Is, is that what it was? Because you know, you, that, you that, want that, to get some, that. That's some damn good Teflon because that Teflon's so good. That the missile coming from that military grade weapon doesn't even come close to him. It's oh, got a magnetic field or some slippery kind of, you know, baby lotion that just he reversed. That, he reversed the He reversed the polarity on the on the magnet. He reversed. You know, the you, if you don't get that true code, you know, the, the missiles won't bounce <laughs> off again. So you gotta get the true code. it's kind of. We're it's gonna, kind of like you know yeah. blended with Kevlar and, and. You want to spend the extra hundred bucks? Get the true I, code. I hear you. Okay, I can go with that. Okay, here's my other pedantic moment. We need okay. the serial numbers by tomorrow. <laughs> Clarence gets arrested. All right. Yes. It isn't yes. long before he's out on the street. Right. Really? Because he... if I remember correctly, when Robocop went into that uh, police station. And checked out, uh, you know, the visual of this and the, the the rap sheets and everything. 
seems to me, and I know this for a fact, Clarence had a rap sheet, you know, about as right. long, about a mile long. Right. He had and theft charges, narcotics charges, however, assaults. However, hold on, I'm not done yet. Don't don't rain on my parade yet. <laughs> I'm. To, I have to rain charges, on your parade. I have suspected to. Suspected murders. Okay. He had, you know, a mile long. So you're telling me, yes. with all with this rap sheet, mm-hmm. that he's out walking the street, you know, in six hours. Yes. Really. Yes, because yes. he works for Dick Jones, and Dick Jones works for OCP, and OCP owns the cops. That's right. It's corporate America. It's corporate America. They get That's their wrong. way. He's able Jeez. to. He's able to get him out because he knows the right people. Cheese. It's not that true coat that's on those things. You know what it no. is? Cheese. It's cheese that <laughs> that the cheese does it there. It's, that's right. It's but the, it, it's it's a hard cheddar. It's a hard cheddar. Oh uh, yeah. No, it's hard, all right. Hard and sharp. It's a hard It's a hard sea cheddar, is what it is. Pecorino is what it is. So if it's a hard sea cheddar, would it would it be cheddar? Cheddar. 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 Let me tell you my let me tell you my good You know what I really liked about this flick? <laughs> I'm serious. Don't laugh at me. I haven't even said anything yet. Right. What I liked were the terrible matte paintings. Oh my god. Hey, those the were matte paintings were horrible in this film. Those were state of the art for 1987. Yeah, yeah, and that's the thing right there. That's what cracked me up, and I loved every single minute of that. It was... You know what I really liked about this movie? There. When Emil runs that van into that toxic waste silo, yeah. Hold on, hold on. He runs it. You want, go back and watch this. He runs that sucker halfway into that silo. Yes. Uh-huh. N- nothing comes out of it. Not a meal. Not the van. Not any toxic waste. Nothing. The next scene, shit's gushing out of there like he ran right into the Colorado River. Oh yes, <laughs> delayed reactions. Delayed right. reaction. So yeah. in the dystopian future, you have a chance to, you know, get out on the street because they don't quite catch those charges that quickly, or you have a chance to get away from that toxic waste because, you know, it gives you a three. You know what? Hey, I'm toxic waste. I'm going to give you a head start. Let me give you a three second delay to escape before I melt your face off. How about th- that? I think and that then, maybe it was, du- that was it was double lined. It was double lined. He, he, yes. you know, so there was a delay because he had to crack through the second. It, yeah, it ruptured the second skin there. The second yeah. one. I yeah. See, I, now I must have missed that. I must have blinked. <laughs> I think I blinked at that point in time and didn't see that part. And yeah. that was great. That was Dude, great, though. His makeup, the makeup work on that with his fingers, the skin that coming was, off oh, his fingers with the bones sticking out and then walking. Oh, me. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was that, uh, that reminded me seriously of the Incredible Melting Man. Well, yeah. and and there's a good reason for that because I believe uh, the guy that did that makeup apprenticed with with Rick Baker. Ah, uh, yeah, there you go. Who did who did who did that makeup? So, mm. Um, mm. in fact, I I feel like I I read that in in an interview or something that he had he had uh, um, kind of made that scene. Uh, because he wanted to do a similar makeup, he wanted to do a melting, uh, melting mm. flesh. But it was it was pretty gruesome at the time. And then, of course, yeah. you know, Clarence runs him over, and he he explodes into a a, a just kind. It, it was almost like he was a a, a water balloon of blood. Um, 
Toxic Avenger, baby. Toxic Avenger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was kind of pre-Toxic. I mean, Toxic Avenger was mm-hmm. right around the same time, actually. I wonder if they mm-hmm. got inspired by that scene from the movie. Maybe. Oh. Okay, so what did we think of the RoboCop costume? I loved it. Yeah. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Uh, I, I, you know, I like the holster in the leg. Yeah. I like, I like the, it's, and what I also really liked was Peter Weller's performance within the costume, especially when he would, he'd be walking along and he's going to make a turn. And so Mm -hmm. either his head would turn first and then his shoulders or his shoulders would turn first and then his head. And that was, they, they, in the the research that I did, uh, (laughs) he, he worked with a, uh, with a, with a mine Yes, fellow, a guy that was just teaching him how to. Right. At first, they were going to uh, handle the robot's movement with it much more smoothly, and uh, that's what they planned on doing. But then, once he got in the costume, and he says he couldn't move, it's like yeah. they had to first. They had to adjust the costume. They had to shave bits of it off and that, so he could get some more movement in there. And then the mime says, "Well, okay, this is then. This is how we're going to handle it." And I thought Weller did really well. To you know, the turn of the head. Yeah, it was it, kind of you know, like as it corresponded was, with um, the shoulders. He did it really well. Yeah, it was like he was body popping or something. It was brilliant. Yeah. Now here's what I think about the costume. It's a good thing in the dystopian future that it actually snows gold bond medicated powder, because <laughs> I'm telling you, RoboCop needs you it after need that. that damn yeah. costume, because yeah. that sucker chafed. I don't care if you've never chafed on your shoulders before. Trust me, in that costume you're chafing, yeah. you need that gold bond. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need it. It's got some robo- Among other places. robo-jock itch, I think. It, well, well they, ta- they talked about how... They talked about how Weller was uh, was losing like eight or ten pounds a day, and he had to you know constantly be hydrated, and they've got they worked out the system getting fans in there, but um, they said that uh, they had to go with, with him. They had other actors in mind, but they were more average size, regular, not regular, but average size men, bigger men. Yeah, and well, he, Weller was a little slighter, uh, thinner, and I think so they. One of them was actually Mike, was actually Michael Ironside, if I if I yes. remember. He would, they yes, were he was considering one him. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, he uh, might have been too intense in the part. Yeah, I think I he might have been too. I think because because uh, 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 Weller was a um, was able to be a little more bland. Yeah, and I don't think Michael Ironside could have pulled that off. He's just, he's just too intense of an actor. He, and probably, he, he, he could have, he could have pulled off another character, but not not uh, not Murphy. I don't think I think you're right, Jim. Not yeah. quite like that. No, he, yeah. I think he would have definitely been better as uh, a, a, an OCP board member. You know, right? He, he, yeah, he, definitely. You know, he could have he could have been you know some something in that in that part of it, but he could have been Bodiger. So he could have had that part. I mean, you know, Weller had two iconic roles in the 80s um, that I can think of. I mean, there's RoboCop, and, and a few years earlier, he did Buckaroo mm. Banzai, um, right. which is another movie that's, you know, kind of a, uh, got a cult following um, as well because it, it had a, it, a futuristic kind of satire uh, in, in, in a way um, with, uh-huh. with that as well. I, so. 
I, I haven't seen it. You've never uh, seen Buckaroo Banzai? No, no neither no. have I. It's... I'm opposed to being in a cult, so. No. Uh, no, no, no. I just, I just never did see it. I just never saw it. I, I, I don't know. I, I like it. It's a, it's a fun movie, but I, you know, I mean, there's some people that, like you said, uh, some people are just way too into it. I'm like, oh, it's, it's good. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I, and I, I don't know and if I it's might a... have, I might have missed my opportunity to see it in the right, you know, at the right age, at the right time, at the right right. mindset. If I see it now, it might be, I might think of it being too silly. But I hadn't seen Big Trouble in Little China until fairly recently, and I I enjoyed that. I didn't understand what that whole beginning part was about because it didn't fit with anything else in the rest of the movie, but (laughs) I barely did. But I, no, that, know, that, that, I enjoyed that. Should that, teach you, so. that should teach you, Jim, that there is hope for you yet right there. So. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, <laughs> there's a hint, you know. Uh, goodness. I'm glad you think so. All right. Hey, you want to really know what I liked about this movie? And I'm being serious, totally serious. I really okay. do. Okay, totally that's, that's why we're here. That, exactly. <laughs> um, the, that Bixby Snyder character. The cool thing, all those commercials and little vignettes and, and this, that, and the other – you never knew where what he was doing, where he was at, what the name of the shows were on, what the commercials, you know, there was there was products, but you never exactly knew what they were. You know, what were they watching? What were they doing? Why was this so funny? It was kind of cool that they never gave you any reveals on that stuff. I think that was a cool, cool plot point that they did there. There were little throwaway things that didn't really make any difference to the movie except to break things up here and there. But I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. I mean, it was pretty yeah. much reduced to just being a catchphrase. You know, yeah. it, and it you, was, know what? you know what? I thought I could have sworn that catchphrase was, phrase was in total recall to begin with. I knew another movie that I have only seen parts of. I thought it was mm-hmm. in total recall for some reason. It's not, is it? Uh, I, I haven't seen Total so. Recall in mm-hmm. in years, so I couldn't tell you. It, it's possible that it was as a as kind of a a a, 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 a meta reference back to like Robocop. Back, yeah. Because yeah, it, I mean, maybe. it's a it's a Paul Verhoeven movie, so it's it's possible. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. I haven't seen it in you know almost thirty years, so. And you know maybe that's what it is because Total Recall was made after Robocop, wasn't it? Uh, yes, mm-hmm. Total Recall is nineteen ninety. So, yeah, maybe it was a little throwback or a nod or something like that. Yeah, who knows? If yeah. if it was, I mean. Uh, yeah, maybe. Know, that's but the other cool thing that I really dug was at the end of the flick when the old man fired Dick Jones. Yes. Mm, Love that wonderful because moment. it gave Murphy the chance to say, "Hey, <laughs> thanks for." Uh, Giving me an out with that fourth directive right there. I thought that was a super right. We should we should explain that in case the listener doesn't know that there were three directives that the robot that RoboCop had, and I forget. (laughs) Well, I wrote them uh, down. Preserve the public trust was one of them. Yep, Uh, and 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 the fourth directive was classified. He didn't know what it was, and we he finds out when he tries to bring Dick Jones. Again, that's not a command to justice. And he he tries to, he approaches him in this in the boardroom there, and he gets just so close to him, and he starts to malfunction and have pain and problems and that. Mm-hmm. The fourth directive is, is that uh, you cannot harm any employee of this OPC. Is that the the, the Was it harm or person? Uh, OCP. It couldn't arrest. OCP. Could not arrest. Could not arrest yeah. a a a sitting right. board member of OCP. Right. Mm. Ox- was it 
accidental accidental um uh, consumer products consumer police no consumer products they were a conglomerate the police oh you're right you're right you're right the police were just one of the things that they did (laughs) right 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 right. yep fingers by and large by and large yes No, so, by, it, by, so by when, and large, was the so was, was the was the company in Wally? Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> you got my reference. Ten what points. Uh, by when, when it so when it happens at the at the end of the film, and you know, uh, Dick Jones has a gun to the 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 director's head, the uh, the the company director's head, and. and uh, RoboCop can't do anything until he says, uh, "You know, Dick, you're fired," and it's like, okay, boom. Yeah, it was that's that was a great moment. It's just like, yeah, oh, that's how it's gonna work. That. That's how it's gonna work. I mean, it's been used a million times since then, but that may have been one of the first times that that uh, little little uh, trope was actually used. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. But that clever led little, to little twist. that led to what I would say was the one mistake made in the movie in, in filmmaking made in the movie uh dick jones gets he gets killed he gets shot he gets blown through the window and he falls out of the skyscraper down to the ground and there's a shot of a of a, a, a stop motion dick jones falling and it is it, the person who designed that that figure apparently has never seen a human body because the arms i mean it, oh yeah, I must have used the must have used the armature for the stop motion creature that was used in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, the one that comes out and opens up its arms. Except, I think that was a puppet. I don't think that was stop motion. But it's just it if you can't get it right, don't show it. Exactly. I mean, it was it's even for 1987, people would look at it and say, "What in the hell is wrong with that guy's arms?" I mean, it's it just it's just if you can't if you can't go out and get one of those artists. You know, modeling figures where, you know, they're made of wood. Or if you can't get a G.I. Joe doll, I mean, there you go right there. I mean, that's all. It's those arms. I just looked at it and went, oh, God, that's terrible. How did that get passed? Well, Jim, Jim, not only not only that, I actually went back and took a picture. I froze the thing and took a picture of it. Not only are his arms bad, but his legs have gout. Bad, bad, bad gout. (laughs) Really bad gout. I mean, it's terrible, terrible. And this, and this is just a couple of years. This is just a couple of years after, um, you know, we got to see uh, Hans Gruber fall out of the Nakatomi Towers uh, in Die Oh, Hard. sure. So we know Pretty it could. We, we know it can be done. Right. So we could work. And if you can't, if you look at the shot and you want to have, just have him, just have a shot of him in a pool of blood on the ground. You know, after you know, people, the the executives looking out the hole in the window and see him as in a pool of blood on the ground. You don't need to see him falling. No. It, it, it's just, it's just, it's to, to me, I just thought that is a mistake. It, it was, <laughs> it was subpar. It, it's, I really, it, it's, I know that we're talking about the cheesy factor of the movie, but that all works within what the movie's trying to do. But at right. that point right there, you just say, no, no, that's a mistake. You shouldn't have had that in there. I'm right there with you. Right there with you. Now, we're right. talking about, if we're talking about the cheese factor, um, <clears throat> the animation of um, was it Ed two hundred nine? Yes, Ed two hundred nine. Yep. Uh, did they get Ray Harryhausen to do that? Because that was really <laughs> no. That was <laughs> a- a- actually no. That that was Phil Tippett. And you know who Phil? What Phil Tippett did? He did the chess scene in Star Wars. 
Oh, that's oh, right. Okay. Yeah, exactly yeah, what yeah, it okay. is. Yeah. yeah. It's built to... <laughs> He, he, and I just looked at it and I thought, wow, that's like super clunky. I don't know if they were uh, trying to do that on purpose or it was just like that was the way it was done. It was um, It was partly done It was partly done on purpose, I think. Um, yeah, I, I think it was part of the cheese. But to contrast <laughs> yeah. that with, with when uh, Robocop takes his helmet off, uh, that was really well done when they did the close-up of his head and you could see the, all, the, all the, the, the tech gubbins at the back of his head. Oh, yeah, yeah. With, uh, the face sort of like almost like stitched on top. It was amazing, yep. and it, it reminded me of I don't know if you saw the the um, the Christopher Eccleston season of Doctor Who. Yes. There's that one character that's basically just a face, uh, right? Like like a piece of skin stretched over a frame. Yes, the last and, human. And it, yeah, that reminds me of that. I was like, wow. That's yeah, it's kind of fun that you had mentioned that because uh, uh, I went back. Uh, Jeff and I, I looked at those scenes, and mm. there's a couple different ones. There's a composite of mm. that sh showing a close-up of his head, and then there's actual makeup, and you can actually see the difference between the two. But still, mm. you know, as opposed to the really bad matte paintings throughout yeah. the film, that that, <laughs> was, that, that, was, that was pretty show. damn good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they That's and good. they said in the making of the you know the intention the intent uh, intent of that look was to really nail home that there isn't I mean they just decided to stretch his face over this robot head it was not you know that's it's not uh, this is mostly robot with a with a human brain in there that they mm -hmm. stretch this face over and uh, it, it's meant to uh, hammer that home yeah because that's he, he was more cyborg than human at that point mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah so I guess uh, you know, at the end of the day, if we had to give it a a letter grade, uh, mm -hmm. how how do you think you would would grade it, uh, Michael? We'll have wow. you, we'll have um, you grade it first. <laughs> well, let, let, let's. We can know, go on a curve. I'll, I'll put a little more into it than just assigning it a number. Huh. I've never seen it. Am I glad I saw it? Yeah. I'm glad. I, I'm, am I glad it was only 90 minutes? That is Absolutely. a resounding. That is a back and revisit it. No, but I am glad I saw. I'm glad. I'm. I'm glad I saw it. So I'll give it a. I'll give give it a four and a half. How about that? Uh, for a letter grade, that's for a, terrible. For a letter grade, yes. yeah. no, it's in the middle. It's 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 four and a half. Let's see. D is the fourth letter. So that's a D plus. No, I thought, oh, letter grade. I'm sorry. I thought it was one to ten. I'm not listening. I well, was. I was no. Uh, I mean, a five would be average, so it's probably like a, a C, it's like a, a C. low it's end a, of a C, low end of a it's C. It's a C minus. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All right. So that's letter grade number. What the hell? Are you the letter police? <laughs> we are. I just it's a word. It's a plan. Said. It's letter C minus. It's a C minus. <laughs> give it a C minus. You know what? I give it a hard C minus. How about that? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Mother. Give it the hard C, the bouncy C. <laughs> Back to Ketter again. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, all right, uh, Jim. Uh, how, how about you? What what is what is uh, um, your assessment? I well, letter Y. I I'd go B minus. Uh, I you know it had it, it it mostly worked. It had that mistake in there that really should have been taken away. Um, yeah, it just it, it's it suffers from being. From the '80s, you can't blame it. If you saw it in the '80s, I'd probably give it a little higher grade. But you know, 
it's just I give it a B minus. I think it. I enjoyed it. I thought the performances by Ronnie Cox and Kurtwood Smith, especially, were were fun to watch. Especially Kurtwood Smith. I enjoyed watching him. He was having a good time. He definitely I respect, was. I respect your opinion, Jim. But you know what a better assessment is? A C minus, hard C minus. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just saying. I don't know. It's, it's like a pretty limp C minus. Well, okay, mine's a soft B. <laughs> a soft B minus. Well, men of our age enjoy a soft B anyway. So. <laughs> and you're complaining Speak about my yourself, hard C, Douglas. really? Nice, regular, hey, why don't Jeff, soft why don't we get Jeff's B. assessment? Jeff, what was your assessment? <laughs> okay, uh, well, uh, first uh, I want to get in a couple of things I hadn't had time to mention. Oh, sure, sure. Um, yeah. And um, that was, first... Uh, I was a big fan of Crossing Jordan, so uh, the fact that Miguel Ferrer was in it, it just improves everything tenfold for me. And uh, he was right there with you. likewise. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. He's really good, and or was really good. That's right. So, That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace. Sadly. And yeah. and uh, and and also a shout out to Nancy Allen's rear end, uh, which is rather <laughs> wonderful. Uh, <laughs> Hey, I was can we can we just all acknowledge there, that? Just rather... Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And and yeah, I think it was uh, you know looking at as an overall thing, hugely entertaining. I, I I found I found it very uh very very fun to watch, and of course you know it being a fast paced movie with no sort of lag moments, mm-hmm. um, it, it helped. Um, if there'd been sort of like any bits where they wanted to explore their feelings or anything like that, you know, <laughs> Lord, could have dragged on like Twilight, Jesus. Letter, Jeff, we need a letter. Give us a letter. Um, I'm going to give it uh, a solid B. Well, there we go. Solid a solid B. B. Solid B. Solid yeah. B, yes. A solid B. Those are uh, good yes. too. Well, Possibly I guess, even leaning towards a B plus. Yeah. Ooh. Wow. Well, oh, there we go. There go. Well, I, I mean, I think you guys know where I stand on this. So. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> but I, you know, I think part of it is a nostalgia thing uh, because I, I love this movie when I saw it when I was twenty, and, and the movie had, was out. I saw it in the theater, probably three or four times. Um, you know, because uh, that's that's the kind of movie goer I was in those days. It's like if I liked a movie, I'd go back and see. Of course, you had to because there was no streaming and there was no Netflix. There was no mm-hmm. even yeah. you had to wait like two years for stuff to come out on VHS. You know, it was and there was nothing else to do. Yeah, and there was nothing <laughs> else to do. Um, and, and it was and it only cost like uh, you know four or five bucks to go to see a movie. So. What the heck? I had two movies. Hello, two yeah. movies. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I I just liked it, and 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 watching it again this week uh, in in preparation for this, um, I I enjoyed it. I think just as much as I did when I was twenty. I I I, I really, you know, sometimes wow. you sometimes you go back and you rewatch something, and it doesn't mm. quite have the same. Yeah effect or impact that you remember it having i mean there's plenty of movies i could cite where i was like i i loved it as you know as a teen or you know earlier in my life when i first saw it and then you know revisiting it as you're like what this wasn't nearly as good but i i enjoyed this i think just as much i mean some of it was a little dated of course special effects wise but um it it's just a good time uh you know it's it's a 
you know, I, I love the satire of it. I love, you know, the, the fake commercials. You know, Nukem was fantastic. That was so yeah. brilliant. That you was know, brilliant. You know, the 6000 SUX. I mean, the whole scene where <laughs> the whole scene where the, 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 you know, the mayor is holding everybody hostage and, you know, they've got the whole thing. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> You know, and the thing is, you know, the, when they talked about the car, the 6000 SUX, you don't, at least I didn't quite catch it until they show the commercial for it or a billboard or something where it's got 6,000 SUX written out and he's like, oh, 6,000 sucks. Right, you know, yes. It's, it's, yeah. And that politician that, that, that takes over, and I want some coffee, and I want my job back. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, and, and, the, and the cop is like, yeah, you know, if you, okay, if, you if, if you give us a few extra minutes, we'll even throw in a Blaupunk, you know. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but Douglas, and, and, we need we needed alpha oh, alpha right. character. Uh, we need a, well, and, um I w- I would give this a, a solid A, I think. Okay. For oh, for nice me because sumptuous Yes. A. Yes. I would have guessed you I would have guessed you wouldn't have been that high. I would have said an A minus from you. I would have said uh, at least an A minus. An A minus. Well, you know, I I I I can't give it a, an A plus. Um a plus doesn't exist. There's no such thing as A plus. Either it's an A. You can't get. It's like I'm saying 110. percent There's have no you, such thing. Have you seen the Maltese Falcon? Have you seen the Maltese Falcon? No, I haven't. No, you haven't. So there's an A plus right there. Yeah. Whatever. All right, Maltese Falcon yeah. is is good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A, you know A plus. What? Nostalgia plays a good factor in there, Douglas. And there, there's, there's nothing wrong with you being nostalgic over a film that. You know, you you do backflips over, and I'm a little bit surprised that you were just as thrilled and joyous at watching it this time around as you were 20 years ago, because that says a lot about you. Well, I think I mean, you know, <laughs> it, tells, it says you can't move on. No, well, no, 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 no. And I can't, I can't fault you for that, Douglas. I <laughs> well, just, I, I can't. And you know why? There's so many other things I can fault you for. Why, why? I, I, I can't, I can't. You know. The great, the great. I'll, I'll give, I'll give it to you. I, I applaud you. The great thing is that I don't pay you guys because that <laughs> that would mean I'd be paying for my own insults here. So <laughs> you'd have to fire Michael. Yes, I'd have to. I'd have to fire be, you. He wouldn't Michael, be employed. You're fired. Wow, really? <laughs> <laughs> fire us! Wow. Uh, How can we help you, officer? Dick Jones is wanted for murder. This is absurd. That. Thing is a violent mechanical psychopath. My program will not allow me to act against an officer of this company. These are serious charges. What is your evidence? I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. I had to kill Bob Morton because he made a mistake. Now it's time to erase that mistake. I want a chopper, now! We will walk to the roof very calmly. I will board the chopper with my hostage. Anybody tries to stop me? The old geezer gets it. Dick? You're fired! Thank you.
This week's episode is brought to you by Planck's Brand Ketchup. Consistently chosen as Germany's top tomato ketchup, Planck's is a quantum leap above all other brands in both flavor and consistency. Thick, smooth, and salty, just like the premier German chefs who created it, Planks will be in constant demand by your family and friends, so be sure to stock up. Stewed from the finest German tomatoes, with an unwavering eye on quality, and with a seemingly magic blend of herbs and spices, Planks will top your burgers and meatloaf with a consistency that is unmatched by other ketchups. Plank's kitchen scientists have unlocked the quantum code of flavor and have applied it to this prize-winning condiment in such a way that your taste buds will be energized at a subatomic level. The perfect ketchup all the time, every time. Plank's, the constant condiment for every meal. Ask for it by name and make a quantum leap in your kitchen. Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules is copyright 2018 by Douglas Arthur for Dugside Syndicate. All other content is copyright its respective holders and is used under the doctrine of fair use. You can contact the show by sending email to spacemules at yahoo.com or you can follow on Twitter at spacemules. And head over to Facebook to check out the official Assault of the Two-Headed Space Mules fan page for all the latest news, shows, and celestial ephemera. And don't forget... Check out cafepress.com slash space mules for all your space mules swag. T-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, you name it. We have all the highest quality merchandise you can shake a Zuni doll at. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. All previous episodes are available now to stream or download at spacemules.com. Thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Be sure to tune in next time when you'll hear my brother say, Madam, you have suffered an emotional shock. I will notify a rape crisis center. <laughs>